I bet you've noticed those beautifully curated Instagram feeds and wondered how people got their graphics to look so fabulous. Today's guest specializes in creating those graphics and she's here to tell us all about it. Melissa is a Canvas certified creative and content strategist who loves to work with solopreneurs. She helps them achieve their visual goals easily and fast and saves them 10 plus hours every week. After being in sales and customer service for over 15 years, Melissa pursued her desire for more freedom by starting her own business. Born creative, she loves designing different graphics for her clients and coming up with the right solutions. With her strong background in customer service, helping other business owners to succeed is what she's passionate about. Melissa loves calligraphy, dancing, and traveling, but home to her and her three silly kids is Ottawa, Canada. So listen in today and learn more about Melissa and her journey into the second phase and how she is working with solopreneurs and helping them save time and work more efficiently. It's time for a giveaway. Here's the deal. We are almost to 50 episodes of the Second Phase podcast, and I want to celebrate with a giveaway. You have an opportunity to win from June 20th to June 30th. I'm giving away two prizes. A brand audit. In a 30-minute call with me, we will review your overall brand, including your website and Instagram page. I'll give you actionable feedback on how you can improve your brand presence and build relationships to get more clients. The second prize is a summer 2020 bundle. You will get to visit my Etsy shop and have a chance to win three items, a journal, a package of note cards, and a face mask to wear and keep you safe on all of your summer adventures. Here's how to enter. Leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, Take a screenshot of your written review, share your review on Instagram stories, and tag me at the Robin Graham. It's that simple. I can't wait to read the reviews, and I most importantly can't wait to give you your prize. Good luck. Hello friends, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in this second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Hi, Robin. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Will you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from and just your life in general? 
Yeah, of course. So um, I am Canadian and you will hear this throughout the podcast. I have a little French accent. Uh, my first language is actually French. And um, I live in Ottawa with my two teen boys and my preteen daughter. And um, what can I say? I enjoy family time a lot. I, we love skiing, hiking. Um, I do love food. So <laughs> I love trying out new recipes. And, um, you know, I enjoy traveling as well. And um, during my downtime, when there's any, <laughs> I like to paint everything um, from furniture to walls and, you know, decorations and stuff like that. So I like to paint. Oh, that's cool. Now, do you paint portraits or paint landscapes or anything like that? Or just no. like big things? Yeah, just the big things. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I like to do, I like to work with furniture too. I used to refinish furniture a lot or finish it if it was unfinished, but I haven't done it in years. Yeah, I love that. I, I find it so, I don't know, it's relaxing. <laughs> yeah, it's relaxing. And and I if you're like me, I like to keep busy with my hands too. So that when I have something like that, it's relaxing, but yet active, which mm -hmm. helps my mind, I guess. <laughs> Keeps your mind busy, but not too busy. Yeah, exactly. So Melissa, tell us a little bit about your first phase and what you were doing in phase one. Yeah, of course. So um, I was working a typical nine to five job um, where I was a, a salon manager. So I was working in a hair salon and as a manager, I was basically um, managing the staff, but also managing, you know, the inventory, the sales and uh, making sure that everything was running smoothly. So I was working hand-in-hand uh, hand with boat owners and um, as much as I call it a nine-to-five it wasn't a nine-to-five job it was uh, more like a you know seven to nine-to-five you know I was always busy because you know when you manage, manage a big team and you're kind of the only one you always get calls and texts and you know little emails here and there so it was definitely more than a full-time job. And that had to be hard to juggle with three kids and being a single mom. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very lucky though. Um, as much as uh, I am separated, uh, dad is there always. And, you know, we're, um, you know, splitting all the, the responsibilities in half, but for sure it was not easy. The kids back then were much, much more, um, they were smaller than they are right now. Right. So, definitely more demanding. Yeah. Smaller and more needy. Yes. Demanding more of your time and your attention. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of that, it was a moment in time that really forced you into your sex second phase or your next phase, which can you tell the listeners a little bit about what happened that really drove you to the decision to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, so um, basically, I was always lucky. My employers were very flexible considering the hours that I was working. Um, but there was this one time when my son, um, I think he was about 10 at the time, uh, he was picked um, to present his project in front of the whole school, which was about maybe 200 people. And um, so he was presenting in front of everybody and I wanted to be there and my employer didn't allow that. 
So I asked my friend to go and video um, the thing so I wouldn't actually like miss the whole thing. And then when she showed me the video afterwards, I could see that, like even though he knew that I wasn't gonna be present, um, I could see that, you know, he was struggling and he was looking in a crowd and I could see that he was looking for that, um, you know, just that reassuring smile, just to say mm-hmm. that, you know, you're okay, you're doing good, buddy. So when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, you know, I don't want to miss this again. And that was just, it just clicked. It was like, okay, I'm not, there's no way, or there's, there's no way that anything or anyone is ever going to take me away from my kids again. And I think, bet- I think it took me about two months to quit. Um, because I was ready to just go and not let that happen again. So, yeah. So in that two-month time period, were you building something on the side to be able to jump right in once you quit? Or did you wait until you quit to start your business? Well, I wasn't very smart (laughs) by the way I did this. So I did some research about, you know, how I could be doing some money online and stuff like that. So there's a few things that came up, um, but I was just, I knew that I was starting something and um, I didn't necessarily have anything lined up when, when I quit, but I knew that I was starting my business and it was going to be something online. And so tell us about that business that you started because you used your expertise and your background from your nine to five to then jump into something new on your own. Yeah, so I started um, doing salon coaching, but online. So basically, um, I was doing exactly the same that I was doing to at, at my nine to five, but I was doing it on my own and online. So uh, it was a difficult start because you know, in the salon industry, you kind of need to be known in order to you know work with you know bigger salons and stuff like that. So uh, it it was a a bit harder to get started, but I had, I had great success and I was able to replace my nine to five, um, income, which I was more than happy with because I had the freedom and I still had the same salary. So it made me happy, but, uh, you know, just starting a business in general can be, can be hard and, you know, frustrating. So, right. Well, it, there's a lot to think about it and it's, it's very overwhelming. So it's, I think you're one of the lucky ones who jumped in without something started already, you know, when you had your nine to five, like you jumped right in with both feet and you were able to make it a success. But my question is, how did you, how did you do that? How did you find your clients? Because you said it's hard if you don't have a reputation in that industry. So how did you find these clients that were willing to pay you enough that you were making the same amount you were making when you were working nine to five? So I started reaching out to some local clients that I wanted to work with, some smaller um, businesses as well. Um, As much as my expert, with my expertise, I could have worked with way bigger salons, but I needed to start it with something that was more realistic, if I can say. So I reached out to some local salons. So that was my very first, well, my very first big, I would say, project. And we worked together for a very long time. So that was good because I was consistent income. Um, and then I did um, 
network online. I tried to find some, you know, salon groups and um, I was lucky too. I found a coach, a business coach that helped me uh, connect with other people, uh, which gave me that little push. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much how I got started, just networking and reaching out. And what were some of those networking resources that you used? Did you network in person locally as well as online or did you stick primarily to online? I stick primarily with online because um, I wasn't like in my area, there's as much as there's a lot of salons, there's not necessarily a lot of networking events. So I didn't find that would have been a good use of my time. So um, I did mostly online. And then did you work with your, the local client, did you work with them in person or did you only work with your clients online, whether they were local clients or virtual clients? Um, so virtual clients, obviously they were all um, online because most of them were not even the same country. Um, but as far as the local, the local clients, yeah, I did, most of it was actually online as well, but I did go in and, you know, try to see what was um, going on with their staff or, you know, take a look at their shelving and, you know, how they were managing their product inventory and all that good stuff. So uh, obviously it was way easier to be able to be there in person. I had that extra pair of eyes about what's going on and all that stuff. So, well, yeah, because I would think that's an industry with a lot of dynamic personality too. So mm -hmm. I would think being able to connect with people in person would be a little bit easier than doing it virtually because you don't always get the full sense of a personality when you meet for the first time online. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's probably, that was probably one of the struggle too when I was working online with some clients because um, I was mostly working with owners, like the salon owners, but of course I was only getting their side of the story, right? Of what's going on with the staff and, you know, oh, the staff are not listening or they're not applying these, um, these rules that we have implemented or anything like that. But at the same time, I didn't really get the side of, you know, the staff side. So that made it a little more difficult in the coaching part. So for sure, um, being able to be present is definitely a bonus. So you, when you were working with them, you were creating their, you were coaching them. So you were coaching from a business perspective mm -hmm. as well as helping them with their sales. So product sales, things like that. And then you were also doing their social media and their content creation. Is that right? No, I wasn't doing no? content creation. Oh, um, it was, okay. no, it was simply, um, just it was enough, <laughs> you know, just, um, you know, auditing everything that they, they're doing in the business, like the processes and a lot of the salons too, what happens is they have a client and then those clients are not necessarily returning. So oh, okay. you know, we're trying to increase returning clients because this, we don't need to go into details, but we know that having returning clients is way easier than trying to get new clients all the time. So yeah. we work on that as well. And um, it was basically all sales, right? Because if you have a returning client, then, you know, there's more sales coming in off, like automatically. Uh, so we were working on processes, sales and recurring clients. Okay. That makes sense. But you were creating graphics for people, 
right? And that I'm trying to like move us into what you're doing now <laughs> and, and figure out how you transitioned from doing this coaching and salon coaching to what you're doing today, which is strictly graphic design. Mm -hmm. So I was doing my own graphics for my own, my, my own content. Um, and then at some point it was a client that saw what I was doing and she asked, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll do it for you. But then um, I started getting more and more requests and I was kind of doing it just as a hobby because I'm creative and I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Like even to this day, I still draw, like I have a drawing book and, <laughs> you know, I like that stuff. So, you know, I was kind of just doing it and then it kind of clicked. I was like, okay, I actually have people, like I'm not, it's not even a service that I offer and I have people come to me asking for it. There's a way I can make money with this. So I kind of introduced a few packages and then I was doing that and it was so hard for me to do the coaching. Like I was saying earlier, like the online, trying to find online clients. And so I kind of slowly transitioned and then eventually I only kept that one coaching client. And then when our contract was over, by then I had fully transitioned into the graphic stuff. And so now you are a graphic designer, but your source of, or the tool that you use for graphic design is Canva. Yes, that's right. Okay. And you are a Canva, um, expert and you have, you're like a certified Canva. Yeah. It's called uh, Canva certified creative. So it's just okay. like a, a fancy title to say that, <laughs> you know, Canva approves my graphics and, um, you know, we are part of a community. I think there's about 200 um, Canva certified creative all around the world. And obviously we got a few perks. We don't get paid for this, but we do have a few perks. Um, and then we have this community where um, Canva is interacting with us, sharing, a, sharing with us the, the latest features. Um, we get to test before everyone else what's coming. And uh, yeah, it's a really fun community. Oh, that's awesome. And so how did you discover Canva? And then how did you go about getting the title of certified? Because I think that adds a lot of weight when, you know, people are evaluating, do I want to go with this person who creates Canva graphics or do I want to go with this person who has a certification? I, mm -hmm. I would think that holds more weight for reputability. Yeah, for sure. So I got started with, um, and I'm not even sure how exactly it happened, but I saw a post on my Facebook feed and it was from Nicolette Styles, which is also a Canva certified creative. And um, she was teaching something about Canva and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. So I downloaded the app and then I started, um, or sorry, I created an account and I started playing around and I really loved it. And then I started following her and I joined her Facebook group and um, at that time she was teaching a lot of like tips and tricks. So I learned a lot from her. And then eventually um, I connected with other Canva certified creative. And um, one day I kind of just, I can't remember how we got started with Canva certified creative. I think I applied because usually it's right now it's by invite only. So you can only get invited into the, the, the community but I applied. So I think they had an application process before. So I applied and then um, I got approved. So <laughs> I got in and I think it's been just over a year now. 
And you are now creating graphics for solopreneurs. So any entrepreneur can contact you and say, Melissa, I here are my brand colors and can you create graphics for me so that I can use them for social media? And what other type of graphics besides social media are you creating? Well, this is really what I specialize in. So of course I, from time to time, I'll do like business cards and stuff like that. But I really enjoy working with the, the online part. So anything social media, um, you know, lead magnets, workbooks, eBooks, anything that can be delivered online, basically, mm -hmm. this is what I specialize in, uh, which Canva is super great for, um, to create that. And which is also awesome is that I can share the templates with my clients. So let's say I'm creating an eBook for you. And for some reason, you know, a year later you need to you're rebranding so you want to change the colors or you're changing if you want to change a little bit of the copy then if you have the link you can just go in yourself you don't necessarily need to rehire me to do those little tweaks so this is one thing that i really like too about canva it's easy for anyone who's not tech savvy or design savvy it's easy for them to use as well later on mm -hmm. And in order to customize Canva, do you have to have a paid version or can you customize Canva graphics for your brand colors without or with just the free version? The free version is actually pretty awesome. You can customize, you can change the fonts and everything, the colors, whatever you want. The only thing with the free version is you cannot upload uh, fonts. So let's say you have some branded fonts that you want to use, then you wouldn't be able to do that with the free version. You would need to use Canvas fonts, which they have a pretty good selection, but it wouldn't be branded to what you have, right? But let's say that I create the graphics for you, then I share them with you. Like I have the pro account, obviously. Then, you know, I would have uploaded your branded fonts onto your, your material. Then when I pass it on to you, then you would be okay you would be able to edit them because the font is already in there. Okay. So that makes sense. So if someone doesn't want to invest in the pro version, they could hire you to create a set of graphics and then they can exactly. manipulate those graphics once they, can they change the colors and like designs on them? Or once those are designed, they're status quo. No, they can change the design if they want to, like, let's say, I don't know, they want to add a little star or, you know, a box or something. They, they can, they can do that. That's they no problem. That. And colors, super easy to change. So if their brand colors change, they can just go in and manipulate that themselves. Yes. And, um, is Canva just, it's on both the web, the, or sorry, not, it's like a, a web or not. Is it a web-based application? I yes. guess is what I'm trying to say. So you can use it from your desktop or your laptop computer or your phone. So you can do it desktop right. or mobile. Okay. I don't um, use the the mobile version just because they don't have necessarily all the features, so just like any other apps, right? It's never the mm -hmm. same as the, the web version. So I find that the app is a little bit limited and I need a big screen <laughs> when I work yeah. on graphics so I can zoom and you know make sure that everything is aligned properly. So yeah. The tiny little phone screen is just too small. Yeah, I would be the same. I would need to be able to use my computer versus my phone. I don't like mm -hmm. having to do things with my 
I like my mouse, I like my keyboard, I like to be able to make things big so that I can see them better. Yeah. So when a client comes to work with you, tell me how that process, how, how the process goes. So someone, and I'm fortunate enough, I actually, you created graphics for me and I mm -hmm. love them and I have not changed them. I add my images to them or I add my text, my copy to them, but I have never done anything like to them in Canva. And to be perfectly honest, I tried to use Canva years ago on my phone and I got so frustrated and then I never used it again. And now I know you. So I'm just like, uh, Melissa, I need graphics for X, Y, Z. And then you create them for me, which has been really, really awesome. But for a typical person that is, so say, say you're an, a solopreneur and obviously content is so critical for connecting with your ideal audience and growing your business. So someone's struggling with getting their content out into the world. So they contact you and how does the process work then? So depending on how committed when they are, when they reach out to me, um, so either we just go ahead and get started or sometimes we'll jump on a call because people are not necessarily sure what they need, or maybe they have questions about specific packages. But I would say most of the time I do get on a quick call um, and then we discuss what their visual needs are um, and what their goals are. And I found, um, you know, over the years that a lot of people come to me thinking that they need something, but after we talk about their goals, what they're trying to achieve uh, with their strategy and all that, we realize that it's not necessarily what they actually need. Like what they want is not necessarily actually what they need. So I find that the call is very important to determine that. So once we go through that, we pick the right package for the person. And then um, right away, I would send them a contract. And um, I have a little workflow set up. So contract, invoice, and then they will have to fill out uh, a brand form. So the brand form, um, most graphic designers would send that to their clients when they start working with them. So I would ask them for their, you know, branding colors. If they have a brand board, that's even better because I get like the whole picture. Um, then I'm asking them for inspiration, obviously like um, any brand information that I need to know, what kind of feelings they want um, their audience to get when they read their emails, when they get to their Facebook page or their Instagram account. So there is a bunch of questions that goes in that that are in that questionnaire. So they fill that out. Once that all that's all filled out, then that's when I start creating. Are you a businesswoman or entrepreneur who is transitioning into something new, into the second phase? Are you trying to figure out how to create an audience, how to grow a presence online? But you are stuck on the tech and the how-to. You have no idea how to attract new clients into this business. Don't worry. I am going to give you the exact blueprint on how to connect and grow your audience and attract more clients. During this brand marketing strategy call, we are going to go through the six pillars of success for your brand. This includes, but is not limited to online marketing, storytelling, relationship building, differentiation, visual branding, and genuine networking. Sit with me for an hour and let's transform your brand strategy. Or do you learn better in a group environment? 
Join me along with five other women just like you and collaborate and mastermind together in one of my popular mini brand mastermind sessions. In two one-hour sessions, each one of you will get 15 minutes with my with me personally, along with a learning opportunity with each of your peers. We will go through each of the six pillars of brand marketing success, and I will help you strategize in all of the areas mentioned before. Here's what a mini mastermind looks like. We will meet for two one-hour sessions. Three of you will go each week. I will personally guide you through high-level brand marketing strategies. I will then open up at the end of each session 15 minutes for Q&A. And you will also have access to the private Facebook group to ask me questions at any time. In the Facebook group, you'll also have opportunities to network, to grow your referral source, and have accountability partnerships. This can be a great option for those of you who want to save money but have the desire to elevate your brand. To learn more about either program, visit my website. You can find the brand marketing strategy sessions at www.robingrahamphotography.com slash brand hyphen marketing hyphen strategy hyphen session, or go to shop on my website. That's www.robingrahamphotography forward slash shop. And there you will find the mini mastermind sessions and you can register. I look forward to working with you. And so you've mentioned brand colors a couple of times. And I mean, as a branding expert, I know the importance of, of brand colors, but I would love to get your perspective on that and why they're important. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely. I find that people that don't um, have branding colors, and I actually don't work with anyone that doesn't have branding done because it's too confusing um, to try to nail something when you don't know what you're trying to create. So this is the main reason why it's important because when you pick your colors and your fonts, you create some consistency. So when you're creating, it doesn't matter if you're creating, you know, a Facebook cover or a LinkedIn post, you'll know exactly which colors to use and which font to use. And it's way easier to stay on brand and also way easier to get recognized on all over, like all over the platforms, right? Because if you show up as, you know, Robin with, um, you know, the orange and the turquoise, on Facebook and then you show up as Robin with the red and green on Instagram, then people are going to get confused, right? They're not going to necessarily know if it's the same person. And if it's confusing, then it generates that feeling inside where people are just like, they might not even notice that they get that feeling, but it, they will get that feeling on the inside that they're apprehensive. You know, yeah. They're, you know, confused or whatever. And then just a tiny little, negative feeling can make someone walk away from you without even knowing you or knowing what you even offer. So for, I, I would say that's the main reason why branding uh, is important just for consistency. Um, and then also time saving, because if you're creating your own graphics, it can be very time consuming trying to, okay, what color am I picking today? Oh, I don't like this color with this color. Oh, I don't like when I put this color with this 
I don't know, text box or whatever. So it can be, can be like a long process trying to pick new colors every time you're trying to create a graphic. Or even just pictures too, when, you know, with images, when you're trying to um, mix your graphic with your own pictures or stock images, then if you're all over the place and it can be really difficult to find the right images that goes for your brand. So that kind of leads me to another question because for example, Instagram, you have all of those squares are connected when you're looking at someone's profile on Instagram. How important is it for those squares to blend together and be consistent? You know, there's there. I've heard mixed reviews that that um, choreographed feed is kind of going away. But I really prefer a, a feed that's aesthetically pleasing, and I love like you know when they're the colors kind of flow from one one square to another, or in you know when you see the nine blocks together when you pull up a feed. I like when there's some consistency, and my eye kind of very easily can browse through. Mm -hmm. What is your perspective on that? I actually agree with you on this. There's there, there's a need for consistency. You don't necessarily need to have, you know, the picture, the quote, the picture, the quote. So it's like almost like um like a checkboard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you yeah. don't necessarily need that, but you do need to have some consistency. So um it doesn't need to be created as much as we used to think that it need, needed to be, but I do believe that you need to stick with some of, well, most of your branding colors. Um, so like you said, it's easy to browse and it's easy to, for the eyes because if you're creating something with all your branding colors and then you're switching to an, something completely different, you know, people will kind of, you know, when they look at your stuff, they'll be like, oh, okay, what's happening here, right? Um, and it's all about to like, we're overstimulated with online visuals. You know, there's videos everywhere, pictures everywhere. Um, we're browsing always on Instagram and Facebook, like all day long, we're scrolling. So if your um, images or your graphics are not visually appealing, people will, you know, just scroll past. Mm -hmm. which, you know, maybe your caption and your message is super, super important. But if your images are not appealing, even if your message is important, nobody's going to read it. Mm -hmm. So that's, but, and I think you can agree with that, right? That oh, visuals 100%. are super important. So yeah. I think that's also, that needs to be taken into consideration when you're creating your feed. But I don't think we need to be super concerned or stop ourselves from posting because we don't have like a theme where, you know, we have the quote and then the picture and then the graphic, like it doesn't need to be super curated, but it does need to have the consistency. Does yeah, that make and sense? That's, absolutely. And I'm a big fan of consistency because if you go to, and I just had this happen yesterday, actually, someone requested to join my private Facebook group and they had a headshot on, um, on the Facebook, but you know, when people are going to join, I like to kind of check them out and see what they do and who they are and how they represent themselves online. And then I went to the website and it was, um, so it was the headshot was a picture of a gentleman on Facebook, right? Then I went to the website and there was a picture of a woman with a camera. I'm like, 
hmm, so is this a man or is this a woman? And is it a photographer? Or, you know, like I was very confused. So then I looked on, where else did I, I think I looked maybe on LinkedIn and it was just a gray head. And then I looked on Instagram and it was, and that is the only place where the name, the full name was because it was just the name of the business everywhere else. But on Instagram, it was actually the person's name and the profile picture there was actually the same as the profile picture on Facebook. So that's how I figured out that, okay, this is a, a male photographer and he wants to join the group and he focuses. And then only then was I able to figure out like where his focus is. So it's to me that consistency is so important because you want it to be consistent across all of your platforms, not mm -hmm. one thing on Instagram, one thing on Facebook, like you said. But see, you did some research and that took time for you to do all this, right? Yeah, it was kind of so a waste imagine of my time. if it's a client. Imagine if it's a client that wants to reach out to this person and then you know they click on this profile and then they decide to check out the website, then they get confused, so they walk away and they go check out someone else. Mm -hmm. So it's super, super important, like you said, like having like similar pictures where you can be recognized on your social media platform. And yeah, just the names too. If you're going to be, doesn't matter the name that you choose, but make sure that, you know, it's easily recognizable all over. So Melissa, how did you, like when you first started your business and you kind of transitioned, so you started in the salon industry and then you transitioned into this graphic design component to what you're doing now, but you now are, you're doing so much more because you're, you're doing more on a personal branding basis because you're not just creating graphics and handing them over. You also have your, your social ninja group where you're teaching about social media and how to build an audience on social media. And of course, mm -hmm. everything you create is part of that. I mean, these are all tools that the graphics are all tools that you're using yourself to connect with people and, and grow your audience and, and things like that. But tell me a little bit more about how you have created your personal brand and what you think is, has been some of the most important steps that you've taken for your, the success you're having today. So I would say, um, like when I first started, like I kind of just transitioned slowly right into the graphic, um, world. And when I started, well, maybe if I can rewind a little bit, like when I started with the salon business, it was easy. I was serving salon, like salon owners. So I, I had my niche right there and it was very specific and I didn't really do a lot of research when it came down to to the niche right so i started like that and it, it was successful for me but then when i transitioned into the graphic um stuff i didn't necessarily do um the niche work um you know i didn't know who i was speaking to i didn't know who i was serving and i was kind of just doing graphics for everybody and um it didn't necessarily serve me well because i ended up with some clients that you know, didn't necessarily fit the style that I have. Um, and, you know, it's all, it's all a learning process, but I would say that um, it's really important, especially as a personal brand, to define who you're serving, who you're talking to, what you actually want to do, and just trying to find um, an area that you specialize in. Because at the very first, I was serving everybody and I was doing everything. 
and it was just too confusing for me and time consuming as well because I didn't necessarily have packages on my website because I was doing everything right so whenever people were reaching out to me instead of redirecting them to my price list and I had to actually come up with somewhat of a price and you know it was it was time consuming so once I niched down which was also a process because I kind of change along the way and specialize a little bit more each time um it, it just became easier. And who is your who is your niche audience now? So I work like I, um, like you said earlier. I'm, I work mostly with solopreneurs, and the reason why I do this is because I know they are the people that um, they're alone, right? They're working alone in their business, and they are the ones that need to delegate the most. And graphic is one of the first thing that you can delegate in a business. Uh, it's easy to delegate, and um, but I work mostly with um, coaches, course creators, and um, you know, I would say females. I would say ninety-eight percent of my clients are females. I think what what you said though is so important to identify who your ideal audience is and focus your efforts there because when you weren't doing that, you were confused and it wasn't serving you, and you were kind of all over the place. So now mm-hmm. that you've really honed in on the fact that you want to serve solopreneurs, that is really important. But the one thing I really want to emphasize is what you said about it's one of the first things, graphics are one of the first things that you can delegate out versus trying to keep on your plate. And as solopreneurs, we get inundated with so many things that we have to do, as well as satisfy our customers, create content, so many things. And you're right. Graphics are one of those things like I can create in Photoshop, but it's not the same. Like the graphics I create because I'm not a graphic designer are not as aesthetically pleasing as the graphics that you create. So it's one of those things I can say, okay, Melissa, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I need. And then you kind of give me your input or, you know, what your thoughts are in, on, in terms of what I need or how I should use graphics. And then you create them. So it's like one check one thing checked off my list. I don't have to sit for hours and try to create things in Photoshop that I'm not an expert at creating. I can edit images that I'm really good at, but to actually do graphic design, that is not my, my thing. So it's really important what you said, because you don't want to weigh yourself down with these tasks that are cumbersome and draining you you want to focus your efforts on creating the things that you need to create that are going to actually produce income for you versus just causing you stress and frustration. I do that um, little exercise with my, uh, well, my potential clients. When we get on that call, I usually ask them like how much time do you spend trying to create graphics? And then they'll give me a number of hours, which usually is pretty high. And the reason for that is because they spend so much time trying to figure out, figure out like the, the design aspects. You know, where should I put this little box? Where can I, where should I put the text? Where should I put the image? Right. So they spend so much time. And then I ask them how much you charge per hour. And then I give them the number. So let's say they charge a hundred dollars an hour. And then they spend six hours trying to figure out how to create graphics. And then they're not even using their graphics. Those graphics they created because they don't like them. So technically they just wasted $600. Yeah. Well, just spend, think about, you know, how could you, if they hired me and gave me $600, 
to create their graphics. They would have quite a few graphics <laughs> for that amount and they would be pleased with it and they would actually be posting, you know, be using the graphics or yeah. whatever they spend. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When you create the graphics, do you create different sized graphics for Instagram versus Facebook versus Pinterest? And yes. what are those what are those size ratios? Okay, so um I uh, you need to know the dimensions when you're creating graphics because not all the platforms are the same. And um that's why Canva is so easy too because you can actually search, you know, if you want to do a Facebook post, you can just type Facebook post and they're going to give you the dimensions and then you can just start from there. Um, so definitely, sorry, that was one part of the question. What was the second part of the question? It's those, it's, those dimensions, like is each platform different in terms of the dimensions of the graphics that you create? And then what are those dimensions? Okay. So, um, I, you know what, I don't necessarily know them by heart, but obviously Instagram, um, squares they're square right so you can mm -hmm. use i think it's um 1080 by 1080 and then that's in pixels that you would use that's the standard for instagram and then facebook they're a different um it's a two two by three dimension so um ratio sorry so they're not necessarily square so they're almost square but they're not mm -hmm. but you could definitely use your instagram square to post on facebook but you wouldn't be able to post your Instagram posts onto, sorry, your Facebook posts onto Instagram because they're, it would get cut off. Mm -hmm. So, and then um, as far as Pinterest, then it's a long version. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the ratio is, but they're I think it's the posts. same. I think it, I want to say it's the same as Facebook. It's two to three, which would be four to four by six. Um, I think if you go four by six on Pinterest, you're good because Pinterest likes it vertical, not horizontal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then the one thing I learned too on Instagram that uh -huh. you can do four by five. So you can't do four by six or two by three, but you could do, you can do four by five and make that. And that works. Yeah. Cause I just, I don't, the only reason I know is just from doing images. Cause when I crop, um, branding shoots or branding images for my clients, I always provide them with the Instagram version so that mm -hmm. they don't have to have part of their head cut off or their legs cut off or whatever. Um, which I don't know if a lot of photographers do that, but I've found that it's been really beneficial for my clients to have those cropped versions. But what I like and what I've done with a lot of mine is I'll use those graphics you created to put an image on them just to give a frame around the image mm -hmm. and it breaks up the Instagram feed. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to have a little something else than just pictures. Mm -hmm. Like pictures can be nice, but it's also nice to break it up with other like styles and then graphics. It's just, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know how to use graphics. So it can be hard for people that just don't know how to do it mm -hmm. or how to incorporate um, the graphics. It can be hard to mix the pictures and the graphics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a little, and visual is, is one of those things you either have a great eye for it or it or it's confusing and overwhelming to you to make those decisions um so i think if you can have someone help you it's it's a big asset yeah for sure and i honestly i have a lot of clients that are great at 
visuals and creating graphics. It's just they want to focus on something else in their in their business. Yeah. You know, it's just like me with my fan and stuff. I can do it. I know how to do it, but I hate doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I have someone taking that takes care of that. So I think it's just whenever you're ready to delegate in a business, it's just a matter of finding what consume most of your time and you don't necessarily enjoy it and yeah. find the right person to do it for you. Yeah, it's really important to differentiate that. So mm -hmm. how can people work with you? So you offer, do you offer trainings on Canva or you just offer the graphics? I, well, I don't necessarily offer trainings. Like I don't have courses or anything like that, but if they do join my Facebook group, which is a free group and it's called um, Canva Ninjas, I have a lot of tutorials in there and I do go live. Um, I would say once a week where I do like little tutorials, not necessarily just on Canva, but also on visual strategies um and um i also share like the newest or the latest features um that canva uh, releases so that would be like the tutorial part but i don't necessarily you can't necessarily hire me for that um and then i do mostly the graphic creation so i work i would say mostly with people that are ready to delegate right and um, I work long-term with those clients. So usually they hire me for like three, six a year, three, six months to a year. Mm -hmm. And is that, is it like a membership then? Or is it that they I know, it's a monthly, and... it's a monthly fee. So I have different monthly packages where you pay a certain fee to get a certain amount of graphics. So depending on your needs, um, I have people on 20 graphics a month and I have people who, pick the unlimited because they want all the graphics whenever they want so it really depends on the needs mm -hmm. and then you distribute the graphics through do you use google drive for that is yeah that's right so when like the process is when i first first get started with someone obviously i need to get to know them what they like what they don't like so that the process is a little bit longer in the creation because I do create, let's say, 10 graphics for them to review from the, like from the get-go. And then they can tell me, okay, I like this, I don't like that, and then we start tweaking. But the reason why I love working with long-term clients is because after a while, like after the first month or the second month, I pretty much know what they like. So it's easy for, let's say, for you to send me, okay, I need this for, um, I don't know, for Instagram posts or whatever, then I create it, and then you know you just start using it so that's what i like about working with long-term clients you know they know me i know them and then it's just so easy they can just send me the request and then i create for them and can you use these graphics on your website as well yeah well the dimensions might be different so we would have to make sure that um we know the right dimensions uh for your website but yeah you can Definitely. So you can create banner images and things like that through Canvas. Yes. Yeah. Sounds like I it's, use it's them just all a fabulous website. It's a fabulous tool. I probably need to need to dive in and learn it, but it's one of those things that I just don't want to spend time on. <laughs> Especially well, when maybe, I know people like you. Yeah, I was just gonna say maybe you just need to delegate that part in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Melissa, do you have a resource or a book recommendation to share with the listeners? 
Hmm. Yeah, I think I would have to say one of my favorite books that I read lately was Blue Fishing, and it's by Steve Sims. Um, you know, he's just a super simple guy who followed his passion, and his story is like super inspiring. And he shares a great perspective um, about, you know, time versus money, um, how you can delegate stuff not necessarily just in your business, but also in your personal life, how you can delegate, you know, like the cleaning, the cooking to mm -hmm. someone so you can focus on, you know, creating more money so you can even delegate more um, in your personal life and your business. And it's just like, I, I, I want to say, I think he's Irish and I listened to the audiobook because I'm more of an audiobook person and um, he's reading his own book, obviously. And, um, it's just very passionate and it was just a very good listen. Oh, that's great to know. I haven't heard of that. Well, actually, that's not true. I have heard of it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's just short read, I'm pretty sure. I don't think it's a big read. So and it's super easy to listen or read it for sure. Oh, good. And how about a favorite quote? Do you have a favorite quote? <sighs> favorite quote. I don't think it's necessarily a quote. Um, you know, Nike says, always says, just do it. Mm -hmm. And I like that because I kind of apply it to everything in, um, in my life, not just in my business. You know, when I want to start doing something, I find that we often overthink and I'm, a, I'm an overthinker. So this, this quote is like perfect for me. So when I start overthinking, I'm like, okay, you know what, just do it. Yeah. You know, just jump right in and then you'll learn as you go and it's fine. Whatever happens, happens. Well, then it kind of goes with that, the whole adage of done is better than perfect. Like if you yes. don't just do it, you're going to always just, you're always going to wonder whether or not you could have done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another one that I like to is just go with the flow, you know, whatever flows <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to come your way, whatever, right, ride the wave. Everything's going to be fine in the end. Whatever needs to happen will happen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's true too. We don't have a lot of control over our day-to-day -day or life in general. So to go with go with the flow is makes life a little bit easier, less stressful. Yes, <laughs> totally. And that's something that I'm still learning. So <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. I think that's a lesson that is lifelong. It's not something you learn overnight. Mm -hmm. Um so Melissa, where can the listeners find you? So, um, they can find me pretty much anywhere on social media. Uh, I hang out the most, I would say either on Instagram, uh, or my Facebook group. This is where I hang out the most. And of course there's my website and my Facebook page, I would say. And is it graphic maven on everything? Like is your website graphic maven or is your website your name? Uh, no, my website is graphicmaven.ca because I am okay. in Canada. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Instagram is graphic.maven. Okay. Same for, same for Facebook. Okay. Awesome. And if people wanted to join your Facebook group, is it open to anyone or is it a membership group or private group? Uh, it's, it is a private group. So you need to request to join, but it's, it's free to join and it's called Canva Ninjas. And you just need to request. And uh, as long as you answer the questions, there's two questions, I believe. As long as you answer the two questions, you'll be let in. 
<laughs> you don't make it too difficult. <laughs> no. Well, Melissa, this is really enlightening. I, I am excited for the listeners to learn a little bit more about Canva and the importance of visual content and representing your, your personal brand in a visually pleasing way. And Canva is just a fabulous tool to be able to do that. So thank you for enlightening us and sharing your expertise with us today. Well, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Robin. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, the Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the Second Phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.